from the C-Squared Studios, this is WEDCAST, part of the C-Squared Radio Podcast Network. Here is your host, Mike Carroll. Hey everybody, welcome back to WEDCAST on the C-Squared Radio Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Carroll. And I know last week I had mentioned that this was going to be a uh, episode where I talked about traditions and weddings and and kind of give a theory as to how they came about, uh, what I'm calling a down-the-rabbit-hole series. And we're still going to do that. Uh, Maybe next week, maybe later on down the road. But 2020, when we're recording this podcast, is it's like, you know, it's like a bag with, you know, some little toys in it. And you just keep shaking it up, shaking it up, shaking it up. And we haven't dove too much into it. I mean, of course, you know, the past few episodes you've heard us talk about the lockdown and, and the coronavirus pandemic, but there's so much going on in the world. And as a business owner and and as a, a host of these podcasts, I've kind of been at a loss for words of, of what to say. And the same thing with the social media. My social media manager, uh, you know, came to me the other day and said, you know, I don't really know what to say or how you want to to say it, what you want to do to comment on what's going on. And and I've never really felt it's my place to to comment. Not for not having an opinion or, or about caring. Believe me, I, I I care very much about what's what's going on in the world. But it's mostly just I don't know that it's I don't know if it's my place to say anything or, or obviously, you know, I believe that that uh, we all have a responsibility to say something. I just don't know what to say. Um, for those of you who are wondering what I'm what I'm talking about, the past couple of weeks uh, as a nation, we've been. I don't even know what to call it, um, but there are issues of race and racism that have been coming to the the forefront and it's it's enough enough is enough not not the 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 systemic racism that's happening in America has got to stop and i i have always grown up in a world where i don't want to say we don't i don't see color because that's not that's not realistic. That's not true. Um, but it hasn't mattered. People are people. Humans are humans. We're all we're all brothers. Um, I judge a person by the the content of their heart, and uh, not the color of their skin. And I would be very naive to say that that's how everybody else lives. I am not um, a a person of color, and and I don't even know that I I like that term. Um, and it's the sensitivity in which we're, we're dealing with this is, is unprecedented. I mean, I, as a, a, as a white male, I don't know what to say and, and I don't want to say anything wrong. And, um, but I know that we need to have the conversation and C squared events has always been a diverse company. We have had, uh, you know, Asian females, uh, African American males, white males, you know, we, we've, uh, Hispanic males, uh, we look for talent and talent comes through on the microphone and it comes through on the, uh, the turntables, the musical decks, the, the ones and twos, if you will. And 
it's it's something that we're we're going to constantly be moving forward. So, um, I decided that I was going to sit down with uh, one of my DJs, Grant. Grant's a, a newer DJ for us, incredibly talented, um, and he just happens to be uh, black. And the only reason I mention that is because that gives context for the conversation that he and I have. I have in my time worked with two two of the best DJs. Um, that I know as far as music uh, mixing and, and, and actually producing music and creating music. Uh, and in my time working with them, I have personally experienced... I, I have to give people the benefit of the doubt and say that it was an unintended racism, but I've experienced it. With both of them, I have had guests come up and say, hey, why don't you play... And they'll point at the the African American DJ and say, "Why don't you play some of of their music?" And my jaw drops every time because I know these DJs. And, and uh, shout out to Devin uh, from way back in the day, if you're you're listening, <laughs> like you are. Um, but Devin was one of the first DJs that I worked with and, and that I trained. And they came up and said, "Play his kind of music." And Devin is into all kinds of music. So the first words out of my mouth were. He likes Foo Fighters, so you know. Hold on, we're gonna we're gonna drop some 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 Dave Grohl for you, uh, and and then later on, and this happened not too too long ago. Um, it happened with Grant. They came up to him and like play some some of his kind of music, and and I even I made the same joke. He likes Foo Fighters, and and Grant is actually a house um, DJ, and we talk about that a little bit in in the interview. And the, these people who were making these comments, they didn't, I don't want to say they're bad people. I have, of, of course, run across bad people. Um, but they just, they don't understand. They don't know how their words can be hurtful. And, and I talked about this with Seven. I talked about this with, with Grant over afterwards. And it was like, you know, yeah, it's they, they both said it was something that they experienced on a regular basis um, and that it did hurt. Uh, it was wasn't anything that they were going to let ruin their lives or, or anything like that, but that they they felt it and they they knew it was there. And we have to move past that. As, as Grant and I talk about in our inter- interview, music is universal. It brings everybody together. Uh, it's it's the one commonality amongst all of us, and there's so many links between musical genres and, and connectivity. And hip hop is just as connected to rock as it is to uh, funk and, and disco and and uh, pop. They're all inter- and, and I mean even even classical music. It blew my mind when I found out that Hook by Blues Traveler was simply Canon and D. And if we're going that far back, the the links are also there. Shakespeare uh, said there are, there are only like three types of stories in this world. And I, I believe that's true with music. There are only three different types and they're all interconnected and interwoven as we are as a society. And I didn't intend the interview. I didn't intend to start talking with Grant and have a conversation with him about race because I didn't know if he was comfortable. Um, I didn't broach him. I, I didn't sit down and say, hey, Grant, let's sit down and, and, and have an interview where we talk about race, although we probably should. And I, and I think we will. 
I just wanted to talk to him because he's got a, a really great story, really super talented. I mean, he's got stuff up on Spotify that just blows my mind. It's so good. And uh, he'll talk about that. And then, of course, we'll put links so that you can go listen to his work on, on Spotify. But he's an amazingly talented DJ, and he's a great MC. And that's where I wanted to come from. I wanted to say, okay, you're a club DJ who is really good on the microphone and a really good MC. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about why not all club DJs are great MCs. Let's talk about how a club DJ approaches a dance floor versus how a wedding DJ dances a, uh, approaches a dance floor. And then he mentioned a, a specific musical genre of how he mixes things. And the second he did that, I'm, I'm like, well, okay, can we have this conversation now? And we'll have more. Because I feel that's what we need to do as a society from our end. Um, and when I say from our end, I mean uh, those of us who are not uh, African-American, Hispanic, um, Asian-American, um, those of us who are white. We need to have the conversations and we need to... We need to listen to what they're telling us and if you ever doubted c squared event stance um or webcast stance um we stand fully in support of everybody who is shouting at the top of their lungs that they're demanding change we are with you we are demanding change i mean I talked about this in the first or second episode. Originally, the title of this podcast was Brightcast, and that was clever. I was very, very thrilled to come up with that um, that name because it it sounded like broadcast, and that was great. And then it dawned on me how that simple phrase "bride" isn't one hundred percent inclusive. And and I don't know if you can tell how worked up I am about this because I am because it's something that I'm very passionate about. We are a company for everybody, um, by everybody, with everybody in, in mind. We serve, um, it, I say we serve human beings, but um, as opposed to aliens. And, and I hope you're, you're getting the intent and the, the spirit behind this. Um, because when I was sitting down to record the the episode with regards to grand entrances and everything, I just kept going back to the interview that I did with Grant, and, and we just did it yesterday. So this is the quickest turnaround we've ever done. And it's a great interview. I think you're going to love hearing his story, and we're going to have him back, and, and we're going to talk. I mean, this is without a doubt. I mean, my intro is now at, oh, geez, my intro is at like 10 minutes, the interview with Grant is just under an hour, maybe even just over an hour. So this is going to be the longest episode of, of Wedcast ever. And we don't even get that deep into, uh, into the stuff that I want to talk about, the stuff that we need to talk about, the stuff that, you know, um, why as a business owner am I afraid to send Grant to the back to the office at, at the end of the event to unload his equipment? Uh, why I'm worried about him getting pulled over with, with the equipment in his car, um, not for, you know, um, any reasons other than I just know what can happen. You know, I know some person sees, uh, a young black kid unloading equipment and, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I hope this is all making sense, um, because I'm not going to re-record it. Um, 
even a, even as I'm I'm sitting here thinking about what I'm what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it, I'm I'm, I'm nervous because I I don't want this to come across as anything other than just the utmost sincere thoughts of mine, um, because I'm hurt. I'm. Uh, I know we need to change. I know that we need to come together, that we, we, we need to, to fix this. And I know that the only way it can happen is through conversations. And hopefully, um, it can start with a conversation between me and Grant. And then it will start with a conversation between two others and two others and so on and, and so forth. At, at one point, I equate the fact that Elvis Presley, um, when he first came out, it was, he was essentially taking music that had been uh, popularized by African-American artists, and he was putting uh, his own little spin on it, and that was the birth of rock and roll. And after the interview, Grant said, I, I had even forgot about that link between Elvis and, and quote-unquote, black music. And, you know, the more we bring these things to light, the more we, we say, hey, we're all connected, we're all a family, I think the, the sooner we can get um, to a place we need to be. So... Um, enjoy this episode of Wedcast. Um, if you, you like the episode at the end, uh, leave us a like, um, give us a subscribe. Uh, that'll keep you in the loop for when we release more episodes. Um, and enjoy. Hey, Grant. Thanks for taking some time to, to come on and talk to us. Really excited to have you on the show. Oh, of course. I appreciate you having me. Not up to too much today anyway. It's my day off. <laughs> Yes, because we as DJs, we work, we work the weekends. That makes it real easy for uh, Monday through Thursday kind of stuff. Uh, tell the listeners about yourself, how you got into DJing, and, and uh, a little bit of your story. Uh, wow. So that actually goes all the way back to college. So I originally uh, was an athlete and ran track and got hurt my sophomore year of college and decided that I needed somewhere else to expend that energy. Um, sports was a lot, was where I expended a lot of my emotional or just like, I guess at that point in time, creative energy when I didn't know what to do with it. Um, and had a career ending uh, injury or what I decided was because basically I just wanted to pump me full of cortisone and send me back out there and do surgeries and stuff. And I wasn't about that. Um, I kind of fell in love with DJing and it wasn't so much uh, an intimate relationship at first. So this was around 2000, 2013 when I first really um, got my hands on the hardware and software and kind of started to delve into it. I kind of wanted to use it kind of like the same way as track where it was kind of like an exhibitionism thing. And I was like out there like, you know, doing my thing for people. Um, after like, you know, so many years with I think we're going on about like seven now. Yeah, seven or eight now. Um, I've kind of developed a really intimate relationship with music and um, and from that has stemmed a career that I'm, you know, really proud of to be in the process of building upon and um, using that talent to like make people happy, whether it be at weddings or like at, at clubs or, or wherever. Um, so yeah, it kind of started off as kind of like, oh, I'm just going to pick this thing up and it's going to be cool. And now it's like something I couldn't not see myself doing. It's really fun. It's interesting that you, you correlate the music and the athletic side of it is because we don't think of athletics as entertainment, but essentially it is. I mean, that's what athletes are doing is there. Yes. The, the, the accolades and, and when you get to a certain level, 
um, is fun, but ultimately you're out there doing something you love because of, you know, the, the adrenaline rush that you get from performing in front of a group that large. And, and that's very much how I've always equated weddings. So I come, have come at this from a theater background. And so that's what I use to relate mm -hmm. to when you being an athlete. It's they're very similar in the sense that you're out there doing what you love to do and others are getting enjoyment off of it as well. So th there's that performance aspect to both. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, developing the relationship with music and that actually comes over time helps you get a deeper sense of like i guess what i'm trying to say is the more you develop your relationship with music through doing this and through this career it helps you own i guess that craft or that specific magic of making people happy it makes it a lot i guess you find out there's more of like a i don't want to say a formula because that makes it seem like you know it's something concrete like there's not multiple ways like there's multiple formulas to build many different things but like you can with the more you know music the easier it is to make other people happy in short is we're really what i'm trying to say sometimes i i, I rant on when i'm trying to find the right words but. and and you're, you're very right it, it isn't a formula but it's almost like and and you and i are very similar in the sense that uh we 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 like that whole you're either left brain or right brain you and i are both we're very creative people but we're also very intellectual people and we use both sides equally so the 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 you know intellectual side of me wants to know where that formula is and i remember in film school i was like just show me the formula and i'll and i'll duplicate it and then the left side the creative side is like there's not a formula you just got to go out and just you know do what do what you do and you know keep trying to hone it and craft it so that others in, enjoy it and that's where you know the the, the two sides you know, kind of butt heads a little bit. Now, in the wedding uh, world, um, there's this whole, you know, I don't want to say rivalry, but there's a big difference between a club DJ and a, a wedding DJ. And the, the difference tends to come in the microphone. And, and, and Grant, you're a very good MC as well as a very good mixer. Um, but you also do have that club side as well. And so what is the biggest difference? Not necessarily MC. We, 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 we know where the differences lie in there, but from approaching a club event versus a wedding, what's the, the difference with regards to music? So in regards to music, um, it really, it goes all the way back to demographic, like your crowd, knowing your crowd really, um, also in regards to music, it also has to do with pre like your presence is different in those two different settings. And I can kind of get on that later. But as far as music um, in a club setting, you have a marginalized crowd. And what I mean by that is club nights advertise for the specific genres that are going to be playing on certain nights. They develop certain followings of people because they're known for playing certain music on certain nights, et cetera, et cetera. So when you're playing for a club, um i don't want to say it's um, it's a little bit easier to find what makes people happy because you at least have that starting genre lane that you know okay this is what these people are showing up here for how can i expand on this with my technique and skills and mixing to make this like a memorable night so people remember me and i have a presence on stage um then you also have to factor in what your role is in a club setting for the evening so Whereas a wedding, you're like master MC, so you're the guy for the night. You are on stage. But in a club setting, 
you have different DJs. You have your openers, you have your headliners, and you have your closers. And each one of these DJs has a specific role to play. Openers are specifically there. And yes, they are technically based on skill level and how new you are to foraying into the club world and the hardware using CDJs. But there is never any shame of being either one of those positions. I honestly love being an opener, a closer over a headliner. Like, obviously, I want to get to the point of being like a main headliner, but opening DJs have um, the responsibility of opening up the floor for the evening and setting a nice medium tone and kind of warming up the dance floor. And it can be a really cool, um, not only intimate way to get to know the crowd and their vibes to start off, but I mean, you, you're kicking off the night. It's it's kind of a cool way to set the tone, but you don't want to be, um, well, for lack of a better term, you don't want to be the guy who's an opening DJ and you're playing like energy levels that are inappropriate for opening up the floor. Leave that for the headliner, leave that for, you know, even closers sometimes have some pretty energetic sets. Um, now, when it comes to playing music at weddings, uh, again, you have to look at your crowd. Uh, weddings have a way larger mix of a demographic age range of people, people of different cultures and backgrounds who like all different types of music. So it's about finding a very good mix and keeping that flow and that energy going throughout the evening. And then also when you're emceeing on the mic, you can have a little bit more freedom and fun with that. Um, whereas in a club setting, uh, a lot of clubs really don't like MCs. I can, I kind of argue either way on that. I do think that in a club setting, um, when you're a club DJ, there's a lot of things to be said about getting up there, just playing the music, not needing to use your voice to, you know, provide extra energy and hype to the crowd and letting your mixing do the talking. But at the same time, I think it's always nice to, you know, keep the crowd interested and aware and maybe have a, another guy who is an MC, who isn't a DJ and let the DJs do their thing and maybe, you know, introduce them, still make announcements, other things like that. Um, so playing music at, at a wedding, you're definitely looking for what I like to do is look for a mix throughout each decade of what I can gauge is probably, you know, from my oldest patron to my youngest, my youngest patron that's at the wedding and figure out, you know, the best songs that they've listened to throughout their their lifetime and, you know, work my way up through all the different age ranges. Um, there's obviously some very easy places to start, like 80s, 90s hip hop and pop and things like that. Uh, 70s, 80s, uh, disco, dance music, funk, 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 things like that, um, that kind of hit a very broad stroke, a very broad general group of people, but, again when it comes to wedding performances you want to make sure people have a memorable night so maybe finding those niche songs that uh people may have may or may not have heard or forget that they were good because they weren't in the top 40 and throwing those in there and you know keeping the mix interesting and lively for everyone uh djing isn't just about picking songs and playing them back to back to back uh, spotify can do that it, that's what the playlist is called when you're a DJ, you're really injecting your own personalized energy into the mix through your song choice. Um, if it's available, you're emceeing, how you interact with the crowd, 
and even how you mix those songs together. One of my favorite things to do, even between club mixing and wet, wedding mixing, is to either find songs that are sampled from each other and play them on top of each other. So, like, for example, one of my favorite things to do at weddings that drives people nuts is playing Under Pressure by Queen and then looping Ice Ice Baby's drum beat over that in the background. And then, yeah, and then dropping in Ice Ice Baby or dropping in, you know, you know, starting with one or the other, losing their mind, or finding songs where the other day I did in a house mix where the title of the song was, um, I could eat that every day or eat that. No. Yeah. It's called eat that. And the second song was called donut. <laughs> and literally, literally the, the, the house, uh, the house chorus literally goes, I could eat that every day for, I could eat that for breakfast every day. And then like donut, the song donut obviously has like a donut sample in it. Like if someone says something about eating a donut, so you can mesh those lyrics together and mess those energies or those stories of those songs together and come up with something totally new and fun. It's kind of like, you know, it's, I mean, that's what DJing is. It's like, it's like painting on the fly. It's like, you know, you're mixing on the fly. You're coming up with different things for people to experience on the fly. My, my thing is, and, and I know you've, you've been with me when I've done this is I've got my, uh, uh, remix, uh, don't stop believing with the beat of Billie Jean under underneath it. And I like mm -hmm. to mix it into a point where I'm, so I'm playing Billie Jean and then all of a sudden it gets to the point where Billie Jean is not my lover. She's just uh, and then don't stop believing kicks in with it, with it. So the, the crowd hears Billie Jean is not my lover. She's just a small town girl living in a lonely world. And, and, in going back to uh, talking about in, an opener uh, from a club setting, it's very similar to an opener in a concert. And, you know, I have been to a few concerts where, yes, I love the, the headlining act, but the opener just kind of set a mood. And when when couples ask, well, why do you do this or why do you do that? Ultimately, it's so that we can create a mood so that when we get to where we need to be, i.e. a packed dance floor at the end of the night, the guests are already there. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. that, that's, you know, a lot of the, you know, opener for a club is still guiding the energy and a DJ for a wedding is still guiding the energy. Um, and I love that you talked about the, 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 you know, the specificity of a club set. Clubs are, are going to run, you know, this is our 90s, flashback night or, or this night mm -hmm. and that's i i i would love to do a club just to to say i did i did but i'm ultimately so geared towards multi-format and open genre that that i don't know that i i could do i know uh, when we were in quarantine i was doing a lot of these themed live sets where i would do like 80s 90s so on and, and so forth and you know, it, it, there's so much more freedom into being able to just pick everything and to be able to go from, like you said, uh, and I love that mix too, where you do uh, under pressure into Ice Ice Baby and, and finding the, the right uh, time to, to mix it. How do you approach a club set versus a, a wedding set? Um, well, so there's a lot of different things that actually go into preparation for both. So that being said, um, what was the question again? <laughs> it was you said, <laughs> how do you, choosing music, right? Or how preparing, do you, how do you, preparing. How, exactly. How do you approach your sets? How do you prepare them? How do you kind of go into 
you know, I am very known for, I don't pre-plan my sets. I, I, I come in with a clean sheet of paper. Maybe I've got a couple from the request list that I, that I sprinkled in, but I know that, uh, there are other DJs that have a more, you know, like where even they'll, the night before they'll sit there and they'll pre-program their sets. So, um, so for weddings, I kind of do the similar approach as you, but while I'm physically at the weddings, I kind of float in and about the crowd and try and get like a feel for the guests that are there. And like, you know, is it a younger crowd? Is it a little bit older crowd? Are they in between? Is it a mixture of a bunch or they're, you know, are there smaller kids here? Maybe I have like, you know, a little baby shark remakes I can throw in for them, some stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, obviously, of course, starting with the base of, you know, with the bride and groom, what they want to hear throughout the night. But then, you know, I kind of like crowd surf in and out and like, you know, as I'm, you know, people are transitioning from cocktail hour into dinner and stuff like just kind of looking at my crowd and observing them and trying to get a good feel for like what type of music they might enjoy. Also, when I put on um, certain music for cocktail hour or dinner, if I get certain responses um, from those from those playlists, then uh you know, that also gives me information on things that I can play. Clubs are way totally entirely different, even down to preparation because of the equipment that's used. Um, us, you know, we have our, we have our, what are technically control considered quote unquote controllers, DJ controllers. Um, they're USB uh, controlled by plugging into the laptop, which has the DJ hardware on it, or excuse me, software on it, the controllers are hardware. And then that's how we control. And then our <clears throat> library is either on an external hard drive or inside our computer. And then we choose our songs from there. Um, in almost every club setting now and every, like all clubs that you go to, if you're asked to play, you're gonna be expected to be able to know how to play on what are, cons what are called CDJs. Back in the day, they were digital controllers that have all of the software built into them. So like the wavelengths, all of like basically all the sound cards, all of that stuff built into them. They're basically computers specifically built for DJing. And back in the day, they would accept CDs, CDs and that was, you know, you would put all your tracks on CDs and burn them. And then that, that's how you do it today. Luckily, we have USBs, um, but you still need a specific software to prepare the USBs to be able to play on the CDJs. So it's like a multi-tiered process. So the first step is get a USB that has FAT32 formatting on it. And you format it on your computer. Um, download Record Box, which is the only CDJ right now, I'm pretty sure the only CDJ approved software for um, getting your files ready to play on CDJs. Make sure your Record Box is always updated. Um, hopefully the CDJs that you go to play on are also updated because if the software that that you use on record box is if like the versions are not the same when you go to plug your usb in you'll have errors i've had it happen to me before i went to go plug in my usb at a club and none of the cue points i set in the software were there so i kind of had to mix literally by ear that entire evening i mean it's it's, it's something you should know how to do at that point but it still just makes you know having the cue points makes life a little bit easier so once you've got record box ready to go you import your library and uh, when I'm building sets for a club, I, I, again, it, it depends on whether I'm opening, closing, or, or headlining. Um, most of the time I've opened, so I try to choose songs that most people describe my sets as vibey. 
like I play house, but they're like, you know, like they can sit and bounce their heads and kind of just like chill and be cool if they can dance if they want to. But it's not super high energy like the person they're coming. They're like ready to throw all their energy out on the dance floor for it. Um, so I pay attention to the Camelot system a lot and the keys of my music when I'm planning my sets. Um, and as far as house music is considered, I like to throw a lot of homages back to um, 80s and 90s disco funk and like, um, I guess I'll say like, you know, um, African-American music. So like I have things like I'll mix in stuff like Patrice Rush and Forget Me Nots. Um, let's see what else. Um, the beat goes on by the whispers into my house music mixes because that's, you know, I feel like that's where I'm originally from the Midwest. So a lot of Chicago house is derivative of that. And that's where I'm from. So I, my sets are inspired by that. Whereas East coast house is, or excuse me, West coast house and East coast house are very different. House is different. And, you know, music is different depending on what geographical location it kind of evolved from, um, depending on who influenced it. That's just a fact. So, uh, when it comes to planning my sets, that's, that's what I do. Choose my songs, then I have to export the playlist onto the USB. And then hopefully if I have time before my set, I'll go to a friend's house um, or guitar center and plug in the USB into CDJs and make sure that everything works. And so I, that was- I, I'm not sure if you, you've listened to the show or, or seen any of the, uh, um, the titles, but I always come up with a witty title based upon some of the things that we talked about. Uh, the title for this show is definitely going to be Grant Bass and the Fat 32 of Doom. Yes, I like it. This is the, <laughs> it, this is the first, and again, this goes back to you and I are both very technical people and we're also creative people. Uh, for those who don't know, Fat 32 is a file system. Um, it's more, it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's, is it Mac only uses fat 32 now? I, I got to a certain um, point where I, I stopped paying attention. Um, but fat 32 is a file system. And if something's for fat 32 and NT, yes, uh, windows is our Mac is fat 32 windows is NTFS and the two mm -hmm. will not talk to each other at all. So yep. that's why if you've got a hard drive, that is formatted to NTFS FS Windows, and you plug it into a Mac, the Mac's going to go, thanks, what am I supposed to do with this? Um, when you're working with your couples and and you're and they come to you as a lot do, because music, again, is... is uh, I, I feel like people under or, or don't quite appreciate their love of music. So, like, I don't know music. And, and I always go, you do know music. What do you listen to in the car? Oh, I listen to this, 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 and this, and this, this. These are the bands I like. These are the bands I like. So you love music. You just don't necessarily know it. So you get one of those couples, and they come to you, and they're like, they're lost. How do you guide them through choosing event songs? Oh, that's easy. Like, people just have to be reminded. Like, and that's the thing, too, is music. I think that's the thing about how where people like music, but they don't appreciate it. And that's because it's in the background of everything that we do on like subconsciously. Um, when you go shopping, there's music always on, uh, TV commercials, there's music on backgrounds of TV shows, music sets the mood backgrounds of movies, everything music universally, like, like, and I hate saying this, but it low key subliminally does a lot for us to the point where I think people don't, actively pay attention to it in that way anymore. So when I tell when my couples are having difficulty choosing event songs, I always think of, well, think back to a specific moment in time 
where you remember feeling really good or a memory where you were really happy or just a memory of the both of you and try and remember a song that was playing in the background or maybe even take a song from a lot of a lot of the time uh people really like choosing songs from you know that high school middle school like through college era when they were you know finding out their music taste because during that time you have a lot of transformative and important milestones in your life and music is a huge part of that you know uh prom you know graduation maybe some crazy party that you're going to tell your kids about but you remember that one song that was on in the background and maybe that's where you met ma you you're you know that's where you met ma at things like that like i always tell them like just think about those special moments in your life and then try to remember or like if there's songs that you literally cannot get over that you find yourself always playing find a way to make that a part of your a part of your wedding or um even i like to i even like to reach so far back and tell them uh go back into pop culture the things you like like i mean i've had brides and grooms walk down the aisle to the star wars themes and you know uh doctor who themes and things like that when it comes to picking songs for weddings i think people get caught up on having fun and being too formal for the sake of not only tradition but also family and wanting to ensure that everyone has a good time um but at the end of the day it's 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 about the bride and groom it's about the bride and groom and if like i said if if you want to walk down the aisle to star wars whatever if it makes you happy and it it, it brings you those same fuzzy feelings as you know, the first time you heard that mu that music or it connects to a, a memory that brings you those fuzzy feelings and makes you happy on your wedding day, then I say go for it. Like it that it's 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 your day and and choosing music that's special and important to you is so important because like I said, yes, music is subliminal subliminal kind of like in the background of everything you do. But I like to tell my couples, you are literally building the soundtrack to one of the most important days of your life. And a lot of people are very, very picky about their music choices and i appreciate that and the ones that need help um it's a very fun process because in that in that same instance as i'm walking th through them making their choices i'm getting to learn more about them and their music choices which then in turn helps me on the dance floor later on sometimes i don't get to get that in depth with people who are, already have those choices you know made but it helps the planning process move along a lot easier so there's trade-offs there you're you're nowhere near as old as as I am, and by default haven't been uh, DJing as long as I, I have. So you don't really remember the time where all of the wedding songs were pretty much the same. It was you know Canon in D, Here Comes the Bride, and then the Wedding March. And now couples are showing a lot more freedom. So when I get couples that are like, well. I don't know what's usually played. I, you know, and I tell them, don't worry about what's usually played. Worry about what you want. Exactly. How can we, how can we interject your personality into this? And, and you mentioned Star Wars. I remember uh, when Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 came out, and I just talked about this in the intro of last uh, week's episode. When Guardians of the Galaxy came out, I started noticing Hooked on a Feeling and Come and Get Your Love. These are were staples oh, yeah. of, of my playsets. They started coming in, and I'm like, why are these songs always? These are couples who are younger than I. Why are they they now interjecting these songs? And then I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, that's why. Um, so that yep. that takes care of the special event music, grand entrance, uh, first dance, yada yada yada. What about dance requests? What about you know you get that couple that that. And, and that's kind of the area where, 
you know, a music lover differs from, from a DJ. Uh, we look at songs as how we can build energy and momentum, whereas couples uh, tend to just say, well, these are what I like to listen to. So how do you take that couple that like, you know, here's the music we like to listen to. How can we translate that into a dance floor setting? How do you work with them? Um, that's a really good question because I'm thinking about <laughs> I'm thinking about times where that's been hugely successful and then I've also I'm also thinking about times where I've had a request straight from the bride and groom and you know I have to honor it and it unfortunately uh, kind of killed the dance floor but I'm going to stick on the positive side of things and say that when a like my favorite thing honestly is when a bride and groom present me with a Spotify playlist and they're like this is some of the stuff we like to listen to but we don't like you don't have to play all this or it doesn't have to be played in order. This is just an idea of what we like to listen to. And I'm like, that is beautiful. That's perfect because now I can go through, listen to. And then the beautiful thing about Spotify is then if I click on one of those specific songs, maybe I'm into it or maybe I'm like, whoa, this is really good. This can get the dance floor going. Then I can be like other artists like or other similar artists. And then it'll take me, you know, it kind of expands on this whole network. And then in that way too, I also get to learn, you know, maybe discover some new music myself. One of my favorite weddings I, I did, I can't remember the bride and couple's name, uh, the, the bride and groom's name, but you know, I, I do house music um, for my club events and they were actually fans of Nora and Pure and 8-Bit Lolitas and a few other house artists that I hadn't really heard of before then. And it was a beautiful, like kind of like uh, growing process, you know, getting to know them and exchanging uh, music tastes and things like that. So. Honestly, the, 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 that's one of the best things um, is when a bride and groom is just like, hey, this is a Spotify playlist, kind of like the music that we like to listen to, um, just to give you an idea of what we like um, and going, going from there. And then interjecting their person, like I said, interjecting their personality is just finding ways, again, to drop their song choices into the main mix of the evening. So like, you know, you might be playing some, say they're fans of, you know, more, uh, what was like current top 40 stuff. And maybe you're playing like some eighties dance or nineties hip hop. And then, you know, 30 minutes in, oh, boom, you just drop one of their songs on them mixed in perfectly. And it's like, it's again, it's something they'd never experienced before. So then you're not only giving them that experience of mixing in their favorite track with something they may have never heard before. Um, but you're kind of like, I guess that's a DJ's way of interject, interjecting, you know, the bride or groom's personality into the mix for the evening or into the open dance of, like section of the evening. So, you know, the guests that are there can be like, oh, dude, I remember this song. This song's always on your playlist. Or, you know, the maybe the groom's buddies are like, oh, heck yeah, we, we drank so much beer this in college. Like, it's all about, like, for me, DJing weddings are kind of, because it's such a major milestone in two people's lives, it's a it's kind of also about reminiscing all those memories up into that point. And music has a way of kind of like allowing you to do that through you know through memory. I, I remember that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the couple you were talking about that was the one that that was gravitated to you specifically because of Tropical House, correct? Yeah, uh, that was a different one because I think the oh, Tropical okay. House one was actually at um, was that Lorimar. The one I did that was that was Nora and Pure. They were at Galway. Ah, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, and and that's the the 
you know, one of the reasons why I love having you on the, the crew is you and I have very different musical taste, and that allows me to match up. So when we have couples who, who like House, and, and a little bit later on, we're going to talk about your actual producing of, of house music, but you mentioned, you know, having to work in couples requests that may or may not fit, you know, they have an idea that, you know, I want you to play this song during dancing and you may sit back and go, okay, that's not really great dancing. And, and there are moments in the timeline where we can, we can dump those and not hurt the momentum. So how do you use the timeline to kind of keep events flowing and to keep the, because I think that's another difference between DJs and club MCs is, or wedding DJs and club MCs is club DJs, there's not really a timeline. There's not really a flow. It's just, you know, things, it's just kind of a straight line. Whereas weddings, you've got a lot of ups and downs and, and peaks and valleys. So how do we use the timeline to help create the energy and atmosphere? So, well, just to clarify on the DJ, on the club DJ thing, there is a timeline. Kind of, but as far as what you were saying, is it being straightforward, you're 100% right. Like you come in, it's like this guy plays for an hour, the next guy plays for an hour, the next guy plays for 45, the next guy plays for 30. Sometimes you have to deal with, you know, one-off things or maybe like a DJ not paying attention to the time and going over. But weddings do, you have to deal with so much um, out of the blue situations like, oh, like in between cake cutting and bouquet and garter, the bride and groom, they, they need to run into the restroom real quick or, you know, they have to, they have to actually get the garter set or they can't find the bouquet or wait, mom's missing. Like, and so you have to kind of like play music and um, fill in those gaps in time. And sometimes I will, uh, if there's songs that aren't exactly good for dancing or just that are just good for casual listening, um, cocktail hour, dinner, um, in between those little pauses in time where we have to take intermissions because, you know, we're getting things set up. Um, that's when I'll throw in those 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 little uh, those song choices that may not be very good for the dance floor, but you know are still a request, and I'm sure the bride and groom would love to hear as well as some of their guests. Um, it's not difficult to find time, uh, you know, during weddings to to make placements for those songs. It really isn't. There's so much, even if it's like, um, I'm trying to think. Oh, because sometimes I'll even play gentle, gentle music, uh, like low enough behind myself when I'm making announcements and stuff right before dinner. So then when I'm done making the announcement, it's not lull and I just turn sound up a little bit like, you know what I'm saying? So the sound was always there in the background. Um, so even things like that. So like maybe I play one of those songs. It's not good for dancing, but is one of their favorites. I started off, you know, and I go and make the dinner announcement and you know dismiss tables and now i'm done speaking so now it's quiet in the background i go up to the decks and now it's louder and now all of a sudden oh that's our song and it's kicking off dinner for them um so things like that but it's really not difficult at all to find those extra gaps in the evening or t points in the timeline um to to make those song placements at all i always have, have kind of uh used the phrase that to define when dealing with a, a timeline is that the wedding coordinator is the ultimate planner they they have drawn the roadmap but the dj is the guy driving the bus or or gal driving the bus uh we know know when to speed up or when to slow down um to kind of keep building towards that that foundation uh and and like you said you know there's times where we can slip it okay we can take a little bit of a breakdown and breathe a little bit okay now we've got to put our foot on the accelerator and kind of go through 
through things. Um, you brought something up that I didn't talk to you about this, and, and I hope you're okay with this, um, but it's something that I wanted to talk about because in the current world we're, we're living in, I think a lot of people, their eyes are finally opening, and, and my eyes certainly finally op- My eyes started opening as I started uh, meeting you. You mentioned uh, African-American music. Uh, Grant, you are an African-American DJ, although you're just a DJ to me. Um, mm-hmm. but you did bring an experience and, and that, and you and I have even faced this at an, at an event where, uh, someone came up to you and said, you know, why don't we play some of his, they were talking to me, why don't we play some of his kind of music? And, and my jaw dropped. Um, and so if it's okay, you know, share some of the experiences. What is it, what is it like being african-american in a world that is i I don't want to say it's not diverse because the wedding industry is very diverse but you still see more often than not djs tend to be white guys like myself oh hold on Um, okay i had some buzzing so i wanted to uh pause so that i can edit the buzzing out so go ahead no problem um no i'm actually glad you brought that up uh Ironic. So honestly, the biggest, the biggest thing that I run into, um, I think wedding wise, which really isn't, it's not really a big deal. I think maybe, and it happens a lot. I've had it happen all the time with phone interviews and stuff. I think when people talk to me over the phone, uh, because of how I articulate myself and I speak, they can't really tell color my skin is until I physically meet them at the wedding. So I've seen some, you know, people can't really always hide the reaction. So I assume, oh, you're the DJ kind of thing. And that might even chalk up to the fact that I'm young too. Um, Or like I've been setting up the equipment and because I don't wear my, you know, nice clothing while I'm setting up because, you know, I might sweat a little bit or whatever. I've had people come up to me and just assume that like I'm the help and ask me general questions about things I might not even know about the venue or things like that. Like if I frequent in the venue a lot, then I'll definitely try and help out. But it's just like, it's like going, it's like going to a store and you're just shopping and someone comes up to you and is like, Hey, where's the, you know, so-and-so. And you're like, I don't work here. I'm just like here to do a thing and leave. Um, the one of the worst things that I encounter though, that I really, really, really hate, I get it more so often in clubs than I ever do at weddings um, is when people, because I wear a mask when I DJ um, and I'm usually clothes from head to toe. I look like a Sith Lord when I usually DJ. I don't know if anyone really knows my DJ persona, but it's, I can explain that later. Um, But once they figure out that I'm black underneath there, it's like, oh, why don't you play some hip hop or why don't you play some ice cube or why don't you? And I'm like, really? And the thing is that really hurts when I'm like at a club to play house music and the people there know that that's what the club plays and they just throw that out at me and i'm like really like because it's just like such a it's like a it's like one of those subtle forms of racism that like it's it's annoying but it doesn't really demand that much of a response because i'm not gonna let it take up that much energy out of my day at weddings it's a little bit more subtle where maybe i'll get a request and it is for something rap and they're like oh you don't know that rap artist and i'm like Oh, not like I'm not a walking encyclopedia of hip hop just because I happen to have a darker skin tone. Yes, it is a certain genre that I appreciate and definitely enjoy and love. But 
does that take away or detract from my blackness because I don't know the specific artists that you're speaking of? I don't think so. Um, but it's really, honestly, I'm blessed because I feel like music and DJing is one of those avenues I can kind of escape that, um, especially more so than, you know, my second job, which formerly was being a server. Bartending is definitely not as bad anymore, but serving was definitely way worse with that type encountering that type of stuff. But um, that's really honestly about it is like people just expect me to play a certain type of music. And I'm like, that's cool and all, but this is like, I'm, you know, passionate about a specific type of music. And oh, hey, if you know, you did your research, house music actually, especially where I came from, originated from Chicago. So it is and it originated, it has roots in gospel, funk and, you know, disco. And it came from black people. House music came from black people. So <laughs> technically it is black people music. Surprise. <laughs> well, but, but just in just the thought process, and, and that has actually happened, uh, the situation that I was talking about where someone came up and said, play his kind of music. Um, that, is, that has happened a couple different different times with me. And both times I was the, the the DJ that I was working with loved so many different styles of music and and you know I kind of clowned the person it was like well they like Foo Fighters you want me to drop drop some some Foo Fighters on on you you know this idea that you have to like or you have to know a certain type of yeah. music simply because the the color of your skin isn't no I mean you know and, and honestly I think if you if you trace it back far enough all music would have some kind of you know uh, roots in in african-american culture or hispanic culture or something like that like elvis you know uh eminem famously says that all elvis did was take black music and because he was a white artist that's what made it palatable and, and if you think that elvis is the kind of birth of rock and roll it's all it's all so, absolutely so does that mean i can't play any music and, and I don't want that to come off insensitive. The thing that I love about you, Grant, is you and I can have these conversations and mm. we have, we've sat around and talked because I don't know what it's like to be uh, a person of color. I never will. Um, and so just talking to you about it and, and, you know, you grew up in, in Indiana, my dad is from Indiana. So we've got a, a lot of commonality in, in that, but it's just being able to kind of see things and, and not, I won't understand it, but at least, understand that I don't understand it and know well, that, that most important part and that's just where it starts and that's why I said I just even appreciate you because it, it, it and it is it was one of those and that's the thing that's the thing about those occurrences and like you said I appreciate you bringing it up because it was one of those things that happened it was real quick one-off situation we laughed about it and like for me I put that in the back of my head because it's just it happens but again having conversations about those occurrences is what's important and um like I said, yeah, I, yeah, it would it would it would have been funny if I had thrown on some Lincoln Park or or maybe hell maybe some Beethoven, um, because like yeah, I listen to a lot of different things, a lot of different things, and it does or maybe even some, <laughs> I would really freak them out. My my people music. If I listen to some of the the Japanese hip hop or OSTs that I, that I have on my playlist, like music is universal and it's about the feeling that you get from it and because it derives from one. Be, you, it, it's good to acknowledge where the cultures where music is derived from, but that doesn't mean that it's it's exclusive. 
Exactly. And that, universal music is the universal language. I remember yeah. uh, when Captain EO came out again. This is way before your time. Uh, I remember going to see it, and it surprised me because there were a lot of people there who they weren't Americans and they didn't speak English. That's the important part. They didn't speak English. And I'm like, why are they, why are they watching this? They don't understand what he's saying. And, and you know, my, my grandfather had, uh, said, well, music is a universal language. And that's right. That's the one commonality that all of us share together. And, and yes, you may, you may prefer this type of music or that type of music, but if you dissect them, uh, you're going to find out that there are similarities and influences between every everything that that they they do and that leads into the next part because grant you actually are a producer as well like you you create music and you've got your spotify uh page look up uh, uh, uh it's just imotep right well yeah but you have to have the underscores okay either side because and, yeah and, someone and already- we'll, we'll put a link um in the description so you can go you can go check that out um but that's the thing that that I'm fascinated with is is you know how you can create music because it's not you're not sitting at a piano although even though that even that fascinates me like I have a theater background I know writing I can sit there and I can type out a script but creating music is even though it's very similar to me it's 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 an alien concept so how do you, how do you produce a track um both coming from inspiration to the technical side of it, to the finished product. <laughs> okay. Um, so all that in about to, five minutes, please. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I do have a bridal call coming up soon, but um, I can suffice pretty easily to say, so the biggest thing that happened, the, so this is like, I guess a small synopsis of my music journey. Um, the thing about making music now is it's very, very compact. You get these things that are called digital audio workshops or DAWs. There's all different types of them. And they literally have, when you'd walk into like, you know, like a Los Angeles studio or like an auxiliary studio where you have to plug in all the instruments and all the like different pedals and the effects and systems and stuff, all of this is inside of a software package. Okay. Yes. It's very expensive. Um, so my first step in that was dissecting the this, this software, getting it installed. And so I remember I came home, I think it was after my freshman year in college, that entire winter break, I spent those entire months, like just locked away in my room, figuring out the software. Um, I have, I had at that point, no music theory background. Um, so I just, you know, it's the, the, um, what is it? The, the mastery rule where after so many hours, you just kind of start to get good at stuff. So I just kept tinkering with the software, tinkering with like figuring out, you know, keys on the keyboard. Um, a lot of my production for the first few years was sample based. Um, I'm not ashamed of that at all. Music can be created a whole bunch of different ways. Now it's, it's still pretty much sample based, but I also throw in my own melodies and things like that. Because when I was out here in California, I did take a couple music theory classes. Um, like going from inspiration, just creating music, like, I mean, uh, I guess the best, the best way to put it is like right now, while everything was kind of on hold and I wasn't working and everything, we all had to be quarantined. It was hard for me to find inspiration to create music because I find my inspiration from life as it progresses and the stories that I find going on, not only outside of my own, but within my own life and just like, you know, 
like it comes from anywhere you have to leave yourself open to whatever like you can't i think limiting yourself in a way of thinking like music can't be created from everything hurts you like there's a guy that i know his name is sean wasabi you follow him on instagram i mean he makes music out of everything out of the most random sounds like tapping on a table like the sink running like the craziest stuff so my whole idea behind that is like i just kind of like sit back and relax and let life occur as it does and when the light bulb switches on it just switches on like for instance one of my favorite songs that i actually did recently i was watching 100 humans on netflix and they're doing these little experiences and experiments and stuff and one of the things is they're trying to figure out how wordy human beings are and how wordy young people are and old people are and how wordy um uh men and women are and they ask people to talk about tic-tac-toe and so this guy literally starts singing about tic-tac-toe and i thought it was cheeky so i took it and used it as a sample in a song that is now called t t squared and like that's just music like i i think if you'll talk to a lot of musicians who are like not not they don't take themselves entirely seriously, but they enjoy the craft and understand that there's a relationship to be had with it, that that's where they draw a lot of their inspiration from is just as life as it comes. And just random one-off things, like we're just thinking about things in the past or, you know, whatever. Like, honestly, I was I even had an idea for uh, a lo-fi album that I was gonna do here in a little bit in the future that was gonna try and sample like from most of the 90s cartoon shows that I watched as a kid because it's nostalgic, literally just for that reason. So there's there's a lot of different facets that go into it. Or maybe, you know, you have, uh, some people have muses, some people take things like by one-off events, like, you know, maybe traumatic events happens or, you know, you got promoted at your job, so you're feeling really good and you decide to write a song about that. There's all different types of ways to create, but specifically for me, that is how I create is I just kind of like sit back, relax. I don't, feel pressure to keep coming up with stuff every single day. Um, but when I'm inspired, I create and, you know, I build upon that. That's, that's really as, as simply as I can put it, honestly. So to, to, to quickly summarize and, uh, well, I'm going to have to bring you back again because we're, we're, this is going to be the longest episode ever and it's great stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated. And we haven't even the, from the producer side, you'll take a sample and through software, just kind of manipulate it to where it kind of creates its own tone and, and not necessarily tone as in, and, you know, mood or anything, but its own, you know, melody or anything like that. So that's essentially mm -hmm. how that, that process works. Yeah. Um, sample yeah like especially with digital audio workshops these days i mean you know thank like i said thank god for technology and in some aspects and not for others but uh it makes altering sound very easy and i mean one of my biggest inspirations for for that was when i found out that daft punk daft excuse me daft punk's discovery album was like mostly all samples from dance music that you know pre predicated the the early like electronic music scene well thanks a lot grant for taking some time to 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 talk to us and again like i said there's there's questions i wrote i actually did my homework with you um <laughs> and there's questions that that i didn't this this episode is reaching an hour long um and we still got to get to the fast five we got to do the fast five the fast five is uh where we will ask you five of the questions that are just 
the controversies that are haunting society. And until we get to the bottom of them, we will never really be whole. Um, so, uh, Fast Five, uh, first one, Marvel or DC? Both. Because the artists, the artists swap back and forth between each other. If you do a lot of Marvel and DC research, the artists went back and forth between the companies. And there's like, like, that's why so many of DC and Marvel's characters, like as far as the superheroes are kind of like share similarities. The artists were stealing back and forth from each other. So you're, I'm not, I don't pick, I'm on the side, I'm on the fence with that one. I sit firmly on the fence and will stay there. You're allowed to like whichever one or both. <laughs> I, I, and I, I like that, that, that you you are equally appreciative of both my answer to that has always been dc for the comics because i think dc puts out a better comic product uh but mm -hmm. marvel studios kevin feige he knows how to work a a, a movie series and, and i and i even think disney can learn a lot from uh what marvel's doing on the lucasfilm side um i'd agree with that someone asked me this the other day and, and that's why I wrote this down uh, for you. Uh, Batman or Iron Man? Like, they're both just dudes with a lot of money at the end of the day. Uh, if I have, like, it's hard to pick. It's really hard to pick because Iron Man's suit is dope. But when you think about it, at the end of the day, Batman really just decided to dress up in, like, you know, like a fairly armored suit and just go out and beat up bad guys because of the traumatic experience he had as a child. So I I like Tony Stark, I really do, but I probably have to go with Batman on this one because Batman is just like, he's just out there, he's just doing his thing. But they are just like crazy rich dudes at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, that's exactly how I answered that question, is you know I like the fact that both characters have their demons and, and they have, the, Tony Stark has his alcoholism, Batman has the, uh, uh, constantly wanting to please his parents who are no longer there and ultimately i chose batman because i don't think we'll ever have a iron man suit but we could have a grappling gun in the utility belt we could be batman if we aspired to we could <laughs> we could we That's could be batman there, there are quite a few there are quite a few um studios i actually follow on instagram that make like legit bat suits thinking about buying one with that stimulus see, JK. see there there you go um <laughs> Disc, a little music question, disco or funk? They kind of like cross, they kind of like cross, they share a lot of the elements. That's exactly, like that's exactly why I asked it. Uh, but I have to say funk. I, I agree. Like, it has a little bit more soul to me. Like disco is purely dance, but funk, like, yeah, it just has a little bit more soul. Exactly. I, I think they, they both share common themes and, and, and crossovers, but there is more of a poppiness um, mm -hmm. to to uh, disco that isn't necessarily there in, in funk. Uh, Star Wars villain, who's your fave? Wow, this is going to be really hard because I've been playing Battlefront 2 the past couple weeks, um, and I love playing as Kylo Ren. But, but I only like playing as him because his move set is doper on the game. In the movies, I don't like the way he's depicted. It's cool. He, he you know, at the end, I'm not gonna try and spoil anything for anyone who hasn't seen anything. If you haven't seen Star Wars yet, though, I don't know what you're doing. But anyway, um, Darth Vader, 100%. Because, like, if you just look at the story of Anakin Skywalker, 
I cannot blame him for becoming Darth Vader. And then at the end of the day, he kind of just had to accept what he had made of himself. And then, you know, at the end of the day, he realized, oh, dang, I got a son. I got family. Maybe I should, like, do something good and end my life on a high note. But, like, if you look at the way Anakin fell, like, the Jedi Council was responsible for neglecting him emotionally. Obi-Wan was not the greatest teacher. Like, there were so many different factors that led to him becoming Darth Vader. And at the end of the day, like, yes, it was Anakin's choice to do all the bad stuff that he did. But at the end of it, he really just wanted to protect what was his. So I can't really blame him for that. I I, I have to agree on both fronts, actually, because I do like playing Kylo Ren in Battlefront as well. He's he's super fun uh, and he's got a lot of, lot of uh, uh, cool points to him. Uh, and then also on Darth Vader, the thing that I that I liked about um, Kylo is... Uh, he, like you're right. Darth Vader didn't. Obi Wan wasn't the greatest teacher. Obi Wan says that himself. I shouldn't have trained Anakin. Uh, Kylo had Luke, and and he had more of the Anakin story was becoming this and struggling with the 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 realization of the powers. Whereas Kylo was growing up in this family. And dealing with the familiar pressures that that come along to that, so I, I agree on both counts. Uh, Back to it, Anakin was trying to like come to terms with his ideals and like trying to be a part of like the Jedi Council's ideas, how they were all strict about not having wives and stuff like that. But the thing is, at the same time, he was trying to get in with the Jedi Council, but then they granted him the rank of master and then didn't take him seriously after that. That's but that's a whole other story. Like I, I could get into how the Jedi Council totally mistreated him, like for hours. Lastly, greatest villain, Thanos or coronavirus? Like, uh, I mean, at least Thanos went away gracefully. There, there was a a uh, in, there was a good intention behind Thanos. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, but in in his own sick twisted way, there was there was some some good, um, in 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 what he did. But no, definitely, way. definitely, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely coronavirus. De- definitely coronavirus. Well, thanks for taking some time to talk to us. Now's the time where we turn it over to you. Uh, tell the people where they can they can find you at. Um. So. Technically, I am on like all music streaming services, like even Tidal, Napster, like Spotify. Um, to find me, you usually have to type in underscore capital I underscore M H O T E P underscore. So that's underscore Emotep underscore because someone else took the name first. Um, I'm also on YouTube. I make like weird GTA music videos because I like having a digital world as basically a set that I can use to do whatever because I don't have my own real life studio or set, movie studio or set to go film things. So I use that as a method of creation. Um, I also post unreleased tracks there and then I'm starting to post uh, what I'm calling house therapies um, or home therapy, quote unquote. But it's like, you know, hour-long mixed casts of house music and, and other like you know throwbacks thrown in there um 
but if you want to reach me or just like want to send an email like and i will send you a straight up like gang list of everywhere where i'm at just shoot me an email at zero zero gbass zero zero at gmail.com and that's like the easiest way to get in contact with me if you want me to make uh music for you like i've done music for a couple of like infomercials commercials for a friend's video game project of mine um or you know if you want to collaborate on project or music or whatever i am always willing to work with new people get musically inspired or just talk <laughs> that's fun too and of course, from a DJ side, you are a DJ for C Squared Events. So uh, we have our Facebook page, C Squared Events, uh, and uh, yada yada yada. So uh, thanks, Grant, for uh, taking some time to to talk to us. I, I we're I'm, as I'm recording this, we're we're now just about the hour mark, um, which is so cool. And there's so many things that I didn't get to to talk to you about. So uh, thank you. For sure. I mean, I'm always up for volume two. Thank you for having me, as always. Uh, you're welcome. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, Grant is certainly a um, very intelligent. So he, he and I are so much like we're, we're both very intelligent, very creative, um, a little bit quiet, a little bit shy and reserved, which I know a lot of you are like, what? Um, but there's a difference. You know, when you, you put a microphone in our hands, we we just come alive. I remember the first time I, I was running the phone. Uh, photo booth at an event that he was uh, DJing and I was just floored. He was throwing out stuff left and right that, that I'm like, I had never even thought of to do. And so he, he's, he's a, a really great DJ and I'm really happy to have him on board for us, board for us. So this ends this special episode of Wedcast. We'll be back next week with another episode and, um, Look also for an episode of the Untitled Music Project. should be coming out in the next day or so. You can catch episodes of Wedcast on anchor.fm slash Wedcast. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, um, and all over the place. You can also catch uh, the Untitled Music Project on mixcloud.com slash C Squared Radio. And of course, you can find all of them at uh, csquaredradio.com. Uh, we've got links to past episodes of Wedcast and uh, links to past episodes of the Untitled Music Project uh, on Facebook at C Squared Radio. Maybe we'll be getting to Instagram pretty soon, but right now those are the, those are the places that you can find us. And of course, you can find uh, the DJ site at cSquaredEvents.com uh, at Instagram C Squared DJ, um, Facebook C Squared Events, and go check out Grant on his own Spotify page. It's Imotep, so it's underscore. Imhotep underscore and uh, listen to his work. Thank you for for indulging me on this this episode today, and we'll talk to you later. <laughs>